0: Check, check.
1: Savior. Oh, He picked me up, turned me around, placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, because He healed my heart and changed my name. Forever free, I am not the same. I thank the Master, I thank the
2: joy to your heart this morning because there's nothing else we'd rather do and what we're going to still be doing in eternity is singing of his love he is holy 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 so this I could sing of your love forever please let it minister to your heart over the mountains and the sea open up my heart and let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth and I will daily lift my hands for I will always sing of when your love came down. verse again. Come on. Come on, church. Open the mountains and the sea. Your river runs with love
1: for me. And I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free.
2: We are here for your glory, we are here for your honor, and we are here to praise your name. That's the only reason we are here, Jesus, is for you. very impressed right now to just share where my heart's at. It's not a word from the Lord. It's just where my heart's at. There's a really old song by Crystal Lewis. If you grew up in the 90s, you probably know it. But it's all I have to give. And in that song it talks about all I have to give was a broken heart, torn apart. But it's all I have to give. And in return, He'll give you joy. And in return, He'll give you peace, unspeakable, and full of glory. Because it doesn't matter what we have to give. It's what he has to give in return. All he asks is to give. Whatever you brought today, give it. If it's depression, give it. If it's a broken heart, give it. If it's just a teeny tiny ounce of joy, give it. All he's asking is just to come in an open vessel and give what you have. Because he's worthy. He's worthy. It doesn't matter what we think we have. If it looks pretty, if it looks beautiful, if it's fulfilled, if it's, if our vessel is full, that doesn't matter to him. Because he's the ultimate fullness. He is the ultimate fullness of joy and glory and peace and patience and goodness and kindness. Y'all know the word. He's all of those things. He doesn't ask us to be those things. He asks us to be willing to open and be filled with those things. So I stand before everybody here, all of those things from that song. I don't know why we're having like a 90s throwback this morning. But like sometimes all I have to give is brokenness. But my brokenness is beautiful to him.
3: So I standing back there. to set you free. He wants to remove scales from your eyes so that you can see him. We are singing these songs. Here comes the glory of the Lord. And he's saying, I am here. Expect to see me. Expect to experience me. Expect to feel my loving arms around you. But you have to come with a sense of expectation and knowing that your father will show up. Knowing he is already here. Not that he shows up, he is already here. He is already speaking to you. He is already reaching out to you. Now, will you open yourself up, not not worrying about what it is that you think is going to keep you from him, but saying, Father, I know, I know where I'm at, but I know that you know too, and you love me. You love me regardless of this thing I did yesterday, regardless of this thing I even did this morning, the thoughts in my mind. He knew them before you would ever think before you ever existed he knew them and he said i love you i love you he says i love you so just as we start singing again don't just sing the words but praise him and worship him and 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 actually allow him to come in and minister to you and minister to that place that has been broken that has been been because in that place of brokenness when he heals it know those cracks he will come and shine through those cracks and he will allow those cracks to be places of, of testimony and of ministry to others who need to know how good and how loving and how wonderful he is so he wants to set someone in this place free today he wants to set you free will you allow him will you allow him you have to allow him will you allow him to do that
4: Come on, I'm just trying to get your attention. I mean, y'all got to talk to everybody yesterday at the picnic. Y'all can just have a seat now. Man, come on. It's good to see everybody this morning. Come on. Welcome to Destiny Church. I am DJ along with my beautiful wife, Jules, who is home now. Uh, We get the honor to pastor here at Destiny Church. Come on. Can we just give it up for Destiny Church? Come on, we love you guys. Let's give it up for Jesus. That's even better. Come on, we love him. So look, I'm just excited, and if you're new here, if this is the first time or first time in a while, uh, fill out a Connect card for us, let us know that you're visiting us, we'd love to reach out to you, we'd love to, you know, just talk to you, pray for you, send you information, whatever that might be, but we can't do that if you don't tell us you were here, so there'll be Connect cards for you if you need one. Uh, You can either get one from an usher, we have them out at the connection point, big wooden desk in the foyer, but please take some time to fill that out. And if you want to know more information about Destiny Church, you can go to our app, download our app, that's all over the church, so you should be able to find that thing somewhere, scan that, whatever, get the app, it has all the information about Destiny Church, what we're doing, Uh, talks about everything from our ministries throughout the week to our small groups, come on, small groups are back, come on. Here's what I love about small groups, this is not about getting together to just do something, you know, that other people like to do. It's about family. It's about getting together with a cause, right? But it, it, it allows us to create a relationship that now I have people I can talk to. I have people I can pray with. It's just a connection. You cannot do life alone. So this is a great way to get connected uh, as a family and start doing life together. And here's, here's the cool part. Once you start doing that, it becomes so natural that it just becomes just like you want to do it all the time and then all of a sudden we don't need small groups because what happens is you just start talking to people and doing life together okay but small groups is what injects that small groups gives you an opportunity to meet people you don't know if you're new here gives you an opportunity to to do something and be with somebody uh and connect with people that you don't know and it opens that door so that's what i love about that so you can find all our small groups online take a look at them they're on the app uh here's what i love yesterday we had our picnic everybody have a good time at the picnic Come on. I, I, oh, man, it was so good. I thank everybody for everybody that put in any bit of time effort to make that happen from setup up to tear down to working all the events and all the games and everything we did at the park yesterday. Thank you so, so much. We truly appreciate it. We can't do it. That's what family's all about. You know, we all come together. If you ever had a family Christmas party or something like that, that's what it is. You get together, everybody kind of chips in. And that's what we did yesterday. It was awesome. Thank you all so much for being out there. Um, You know, some bad news is, is we did have competitions. so there's always competition amongst family, Um, and there was a grill master and a bake-off, and, um, you know, I just felt this year I wanted to, you know, share a little bit of the enthusiasm of being uh, the grill master for so long. So uh, I really didn't want to hang on to the belt anymore, so I had to turn that over, so I know. Brother Ron, you're watching online, Brother Ron Trahan, the new 2021 grill Master. Come on. So now he's a two-time champion, just not back-to-back, but he's won that thing twice now. So look, y'all got to lay off me for a little bit. Let me figure out what I'm going to cook next year, and then just just get all, take it all out on Ron now, since he, he took that from me, um, which was awesome. And then we had our 2021 Bake Off champ. You guys ready for this? Look, put it this way. I think there was, what, nine? How many people? Nine or ten, I don't even know. But there were so many awesome, like, desserts. And, I mean, it was, I, I tried some of every one, and I wasn't even, like, the judge. But I figured it was my due. I just had to make sure that everything was good. But Miss Miss Judith, where you at? Judith Purdue? Come on, we love you. She made this, like, I think it was called Heaven. I don't know. I don't know what that was. What was that? Italian cream cake it was delicious I, I i don't even know that was manna <laughs> but she is the new 2021 20, champ uh, i thank everybody that participated in that man that is so fun then we had everything from a uh, we had we had a um a fear factor game where people had to eat things that you shouldn't eat um snails and sardines and oh man so we we had we had all kinds of fun yesterday but it, it was a blast thank you all so much that's family that's how we do life together we gather we do life together and we just man it just makes it so fun so i thank everybody that participated with that uh, we did have our, uh, if you want to know more about the church, and not even the church, but this is all about our growth, our spiritual growth. Uh, so what that means is that we don't do Sunday school like a lot of churches do, but we actually have next steps, and, and it's a discipleship process, but what it is, it's not in order or anything. We throw a lot of stuff out there that we want you to get plugged into. It's at 9 o'clock every single Sunday. So today, we had our spiritual gift assessment, so that went awesome this week. So if you're interested in a disc profile assessment, that'll be next week, and then you have a three-question. Bible study the week after that, so look, if you're interested in any of those, these are awesome opportunities, if you have questions, this is stuff that I just can't preach all the time, so these are things that if you want information on any of that stuff that's up there, you know, you come in on on Sundays at 9 o'clock on each date, and you will get all kinds of information, and and we don't know when they'll come back around, because we have like 60 topics, (laughs) like we just love it, we have all kinds of information we want to get you, so we'll keep rotating them through, and so you can see, and then just show up at 9 o'clock on Sundays, and you'll be able to to receive, and that's how we're going to start growing. That That's how it is. You, wanna, you want a lot of information and in that stuff, and that's an opportunity to get it, so please do that uh, and sign up for that. So what I love about today, today is an awesome day. Today is Baptism Sunday. Come on. I know. We love Baptism Sunday. We have people signed up for that, but here's the thing. If, if the Holy Spirit's moving in you, and you're like, hey, you know, today is my day, and I didn't sign up. It's not too late. You just have, you're already here. You already showed up. So the next step is we're going to do baptisms at the end of service. And if you just feel led by the Holy Spirit today, say, I want to get baptized. And we have shirts and shorts. We have everything, towels. We will give you a chance to change. Then you can come get baptized. And people go, well, I was baptized when I was three or four or eight. Well, that's okay because back then you might not have known what you was talking about. And things could have changed in your life. And you're like, you know what, I want to be baptized again. That's perfectly fine. Okay, so today could be that day for you. Uh, so we'll, we'll do that at the end of service, so we'll prompt that. And if you feel led by the Holy Spirit to get baptized today, please, just at that time, just stand up, walk on over. We'll take care of you. Crystal's over there. Wave, Crystal. She'll be over there. She'll take care of you. Make sure you get everything you need uh, so we can do baptisms at the end of service. Um, and last little thing is we are still uh, doing wonderful for our repairs on the building. Still trying to, to reach that $17,000 mark to do all the repairs, but we've already got a brand new roof. We're doing some amazing things. So if you want to continue to give to that, that's totally up to you. Uh, if you feel led to give to that, it's hard for the house or it's uh, building building funds, any of those things. Uh, like I said, we own the building now, so we have to take care of it. So that's what that's for. If you want to give, that's a way to give. All right. Woo. So... Man. So today's gonna be a good day. Um because I just feel like uh, like father's had a word for us for a while and uh you you know Papa Bo and, and Mama Rachel in the house. Come on, we love you guys. Um and you know, uh brother Bo came to me, you know, I don't know like a month or two ago and he was like, I got a word for the family. And when he says that I kind of step aside and go, Well, not yet <laughs> But I was like, yeah, we definitely want to fit that in. And he said, no, you know, he's got a word. So today um, he is going to be bringing a word for our family today that I think is going to be phenomenal. I'm excited to hear what he has to say. So what I want to do is if we could, could we just give Papa Bo a warm welcome to Destiny Church, his family.
5: (laughs) You didn't turn that thing on, did you? I did. I love you. I love you. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Here you go, bro, DJ. Is that.? There might be some good stuff in there. You're trying to put some liminal messages on what I should talk about? <laughs> uh, Jesus bless all y'all. Hope y'all are doing well. Really excited about being here with you guys, as always. Uh, let me move that down a little bit. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and go to Acts chapter 2. Thank you, Jesus, for the rain. Without rain, we die. So we need rain. Hallelujah. I do. I do. Got something I want to talk about today. It's something that uh, <clears throat> the Lord's, you know, Father gave me. I went to visit a friend of ours. Me and Rachel did over in Georgia. Mark Casto, and and he has a service that he started every every month, I think he does it one, one weekend a month or something, he calls it the ko- koinonia service, that's a weird word, uh, but it's Greek, it's in the Bible, and so I'm going to talk about that with y'all, because when I was there, God really started speaking to my heart, and it's just kind of unfolded over the last month, I've been sharing it in several of the families that God has asked us to walk with, and, and I, I know I'm supposed to share it here and everywhere else, that that's a, that's a relationship that we have. So if you have your Bibles, chapter 2, Acts, verse 42, it says this right here, I'm going to read in the New King James and I'm going to read in the Passion, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. I'm not going to talk about the last part of this, because that would make most of y'all too uncomfortable. Uh, so we'll talk about the first part. Uh, the word koinonia, you find it right here in this first part of the verse 42 it's called fellowship it's used 20 times in the new testament and it's not always used with this same word of fellowship it's used four or five different ways and it's really interesting how it breaks down and in this moment right here y'all what you have is the beginning of the of the church as we know it today peter's just preached uh, a message to 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 a multitude of people. Three thousand people believe the gospel. They asked him, what, you know, they asked him, what what do we do, brothers? If what you're telling us is true, and we're guilty of the blood of Jesus, and and we have sinned against God, and 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 all of this is is truth. Then what do we do to fix it? And I and I love that because if you read down through Acts chapter two, and for time I'm not going to do that. Peter stood up and preached the gospel to this multitude of people who just 50 days before had murdered Jesus or were at least in agreement with it. And he stands right there in their face and he tells them, you killed the Son of God. You're responsible for the blood of the Son of God. I mean, he don't even blink. He tells them. But even though he was as bold as he was in pointing his finger right in their face and putting the blame exactly where it should have been on them, on us, because of sin, the way he preached that gospel to them and the way it was conveyed by the Holy Ghost flowing out of him was not condemnation, it actually was hope because even though they they had their eyes opened up to the reality of their guiltiness before God, there was still enough hope in them to ask the question, if this is true and we recognize that it is, then what do we do? They didn't turn around and go home thinking this is it, we're guilty, we're all going to hell and it's over. They heard the truth, but it produced hope in them that there was a mercy available, that there was an escape from their wrong decisions and their wrong way of living and their rebellion against God. See, that's the gospel. It's good news. It doesn't mean you don't tell people the truth and confront them in their rebellion to God in whatever form it is, but how you tell them matters. Because if it's from God... It produces a hope in their heart that there is mercy there's a way out there's life on the other end of this truth that they're being confronted with and I, I really like that because he really let them have it but even in that they still had enough courage and were stirred enough to ask the question what do we do and he told them repent be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ forgive them sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. God will come and dwell on the inside of you. He told them what to do. It wasn't complicated. It was pretty simple. 3,000 people understood and got baptized. Because they believed. They had a moment in, in their life. Where they said. I give my life to God. Signified by baptism. Now that's, that is an amazing situation. So when you understand. This is how we get to verse verse 42. What we're seeing here is a natural manifestation of a born-again life in its rawest form that we have laid out before us. And what we need to do and what I want to do today is I want us to look at this and understand this is the gospel and this is what it's supposed to produce in your life. And this is not to condemn This is not to say we're bad. It's to put our life, what we're doing here as a family, what you've known as the gospel growing up up until this point, is to examine it against the light of the word of God. Because I don't care what your grandma said. I don't care what I say. I care what God says. I want to examine myself against the right thing. I don't want to put my life and compare it against something that God's not even going to let into the courtroom. I want my life, our life, to be laid next to His Word so we can be found good and faithful servants. Okay, so when you look at verse 42 and you read this first part, they're just born again. Y'all, there's 16 different... I don't know the right word to say it. They, there were 16 different geographical locations present when Peter preached. You get the whole list of them right there. So there's at least 16, if not more. And they all heard the wonderful news of the gospel preached in their own language. So you have people from all over their known world hearing the message of the gospel And the result is 3,000 people were born again. And so you immediately have a microcosm of what was present in that multitude listening to the word of God. It wasn't all people from, from Jerusalem. They weren't all from Israel. They didn't all have the same skin tone. They didn't all show up speaking the same language. They didn't all have the same economical means. They weren't all educated the same. It was a complete microcosm. See, that's what the gospel's supposed to produce. A microcosm. I'm not real smart, so I had to look that word up before I started using it. Now that I've sounded intelligent, let me just look I looked it up too. A microcosm is a smaller representation of something bigger. Okay, that it sounds smart when you say microcosm, though. I probably ain't pronouncing it right. But that is what the gospel is supposed to produce. They immediately had a microcosm of everybody that was present that day. So of 16 different geographical locations that had come to Jerusalem to gather, up that 16, there's no doubt in my mind that they were represented among that 3,000 people. They had different cultural backgrounds. They had different ways of of rationalizing things. They had different ways of talking. They had different ways of living, cooking their food. I mean, everything was different, but there was one thing that brought them all together. Jesus and the gospel. And even though they were so extremely different, you look right here in in verse 42. What was the natural manifestation of a born-again life? It tells you. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' apostles doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They instantly became family. In the Passion, let me read it to you. It says, Every believer was faithfully devoted to the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another. That's the word, that's how they phrased Koinonia in the Passion. Their hearts We're mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. And a deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. Koinonia. Hearts mutually linked together. When we're born again, the Spirit of God is deposited on the inside of you. You're you're born again. And when you receive the Spirit of God, there are innate desires that come attached to that born-again spirit that comes to dwell on you. Innate desires. There again, that's a fancy word. Now I'm going to tell you what it means. Innate means, if I'm finding it in my notes, I got all over the place this morning writing stuff down. It says, That, uh, oh, go on it, where'd it go? I think I deleted it. Ah, there it is. Do you realize I feel no pressure to have to be perfect standing before y'all? I don't. And I hope that gives you freedom to understand you don't have to be perfect to stand before me. I'm not after being perfect in my performance. And if you think that's what's right, you're wrong. Doing things in the extra spirit, sure. But if you think I've got to get up here and get every period in the right place and every comma in the right place, I'm on, I'm on purpose going to take that away from you. <laughs> I couldn't do that if I wanted to. So I quit trying a long time ago, but it does matter to do my best for you and to tell you as best as I understand what God's saying. That's all I care about. So innate means existing in, belonging to, or determined by factors present in an individual from birth. From birth. Innate means there's desires, there's things in you that are there at your birth. When you were born again, there are desires placed in you that have come along with the Holy Ghost at your born again experience. It's not for some of us. It's not only the ones who mean more to God. It's not for the ones who understand better. If you have been born again at five years old, you got the same desires for God that I got when I was 24. You understand? They're innate. It's parejo. It's for everybody across the board. It's the same. And you see right here in chapter 40, chapter 2, verse 42, the innate desire of a born-again person. A desire for family. A desire for fellowship. A desire for communion with other people who carry the same spirit you just received. You have to absolutely suppress that to walk alone. It's unnatural. If you're born again, it's unnatural for you to separate. If you're born again, it's unnatural for you to think, I should not be joined in a lifestyle of fellowship and communion with other people who are born again like me. I mean, it's It's unnatural. And you have to step over the natural innate desire of the the born-again life to walk that way. You you have to go over that. It's a decision to suppress a natural instinct to function that way. And when we don't do what we were created to do, and we don't respond to the natural instincts that God has placed in us in our born-again life, it causes all kind of dysfunction and mess and hardships that we were never intended to experience. Man, I, I got enough hardships in this life without creating my own. And i was been really good at that at certain times in my life. But I don't want that no more. The Bible says that Jesus said, with much tribulation, you're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. We don't need to help tribulation. So we need to respond to the innate desires that God placed in us when we were born again. And it would be amazing the difference it would make in our life after knowing Jesus. Right. Amen. And I, I want that. I need that. Do you understand that I need you as family? I, I mean, I, I need you. God made it that this is supposed to be a dependent system on Jesus, but also on one another as family, as koinonia. We are supposed to be here with hearts that are mutually linked. This is not to be an association. This is not to be an organization. It is supposed to be a real family where we actually feel like we are one regardless of what color you are or what your hair looks like or where you came from. Y'all, this is, the whole world is trying to use this, 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 uh, this aspect to promote their own individual things i was with the boys yesterday on a recruiting trip for football and it was really awesome it was really cool and the whole time i was there the one thing the coaches wanted to reiterate over and over again is that we're family here we're family we're family it's not just football it's family and and every coach got up and said the same thing and you, you hear that in, in in different worlds in different in different situations where everybody's trying to promote family. Why? Because it's God's plan. And when it when it's used and done right, it produces good things. And the world knows that. And so they try to duplicate a principle, it, it, not even a right way to say it. They try to, to, to duplicate and actually use what they see is a formula to promote their situation. And it's actually the plan of God for us to walk in health, life, and joy and peace. Yeah. Because when you do it, it works. Right. It makes a difference. Okay. So coin So when they were born again, what do they do? They immediately begin to walk together. They sat around dinner table. They continued in the doctrine of the apostles, which means they actually let the apostles get up and teach them what they had learned by walking with Jesus. Because they didn't have the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They didn't have the book of Acts. They didn't have the letters of Paul. What they had was three and a half years of walking with Jesus and watching how he handled every situation. What they had was a knowledge of the Old Scriptural Testament. But what they really were imparting to everybody around them is what they watched Jesus do for three years. And so those people had an innate desire to want to know what the Word of God was from the Apostles' mouth. Now we have the Scriptures to actually know what that life looked like. But one of the innate desires of being born again is a hunger and thirst to know God. And when when you continue in the doctrine of the apostles or the word of God, what that actually is, is a desire to want to know God. When I was born again, I had a desire that came on me to want to know this God that walked into my room and spoke to me. Because although I had an encounter, I had no idea who he was. I didn't know how to please him. I didn't know what he thought about this or that. But something in me wanted to know more about this one who touched me with love and mercy. And so I picked up this Bible and begin to devour it not because I wanted to acquire knowledge and be able to quote scriptures, but because I wanted to know the God whose name I now bore on on my soul. See, if you don't have a hunger for the Word of God, or if it's gone away, you're actually suppressing an innate desire. Now look, I've worked for 21 years with people who cannot read. We have elders in our work who cannot read, who need hundreds of churches, and they can't read. But that has nothing to do with their desire to want to know the Word of God and to know Him by way of the Scriptures. And when you're up there preaching, they look like they're asleep sometimes because they worked in their field all day and they're tired by the time we get to church that night. And they look like they're asleep. But they're just just hearing and they're devouring most of them. If they have that hunger and they're they're responding to that innate desire, they're they're gathering every word that comes in. And they're letting it go into their heart. And it's amazing because I will be with somebody on the side of a trail or something somewhere and they'll remind me of something that I spoke sometime years ago in a village and it'll be some part of the word of God that just was cemented into their being. That helped them to know Father more. So it's not about knowing how to read the Bible. But it is about having a desire to want to know him. And the word of God is is one of the greatest ways we have to know him. Okay. Oh, I am so burning up on the inside right now. It matters that we understand what this is supposed to look like. Well, I was going to do a lot of stuff. I'm just going to go to where God started speaking to me this morning. Y'all go to Philemon or Philemon, or whichever way you want to say it. It's got one chapter. I want to talk about one of the ways this word is used. It's very interesting. Would you put it in the New King James, or King James would be fine too, either way. New King James would be great, but the King James will work. While y'all are doing that, let me just give you a list of the way this word looks, koinonia, in the Greek, down through the New Testament. We saw right there in, in Acts, it's used for fellowship, hearts mutually linked together, people who want to walk in communion with each other as they walk in communion with Jesus because they share the same spirit. Uh, in Romans 15:26, and y'all can look this word, all this stuff up later, it, it's used as contribution. When they took up an offering for the saints, and sent it to the poor in Jerusalem. It was actually used, the word for contribution is koinonia. That their hearts were so mutually linked together that even though they had never laid eyes, most of these people in these churches that sent the, in Achaia and Macedonia, they'd never seen these believers in Jerusalem, but they knew they were the same family. And knowing of their need, their hearts were so mutually linked together that it, it koinonia, was a contribution out of their lives to the poor in Jerusalem because even though they didn't walk together in the same church or in the same, in the same church family, they realized we're still the same and we know they're hurting. And they were so mutually linked together that, that contribution was given. That's amazing to me. But right here in Philemon or Philemon or Philemon, if you speak Spanish, Y'all, I read this this morning, and just going through this list, and God just began to just really just touch me. Paul, a pri- prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. Verse six, please. Sorry. There we go. He's actually praying and writing, and and he tells them that. Uh, y'all just stay right there. I'm more starting verse 4, and Paul speaking right here. He says to Philemon, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have, you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. That this, listen, that the sharing, that's koinonia, that the sharing of your faith may become more, become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. That the sharing, that word sharing, is koinonia. The same word for fellowship and your hearts being mutually linked. Right here, Paul is saying that the sharing of your, your, your faith, the koinonia, he's praying that it becomes more effective. And how does he intend or, or how does he express that it's possible for the sharing of their faith, of their fellowship, of their communion with Jesus and each other become more effective? Look at what it says, by the, acknowledge, the acknowledgement, by you acknowledging every good thing that is in you, in Christ Jesus. Oh my God, I read that this morning and never noticed that. The effect, be it by the acknowledgement of every good thing that is in you. When you're born again and you receive these innate desires, you also receive the gifts of God. You receive the the nature of God. You have been filled with good things through Christ Jesus. My gosh, you didn't get born again and get half of the package. When you were born again, the Spirit of God came to dwell on you and you received the gifts of God. Our biggest problem that Paul it just amazes me that Paul had the same issues all the way back then that we deal with today. He says, your problem is you will not acknowledge the good thing that's in you. That's what he's telling them. You feel like you can't advance, you feel like your life doesn't change. you feel like you won't you can't get free, you feel like there's no hope, you feel like you can't get victory. The problem's not outside. The problem is right here. The problem is we refuse to acknowledge that these things are in us. We we, we more times than not walk willingly ignorant to the good things that were deposited in us when we were born again. And that's why it looks like this ain't real sometimes. That's why it looks like there's not victory. That's why it looks like there's no power and hope for me. It, because I'm not as good as sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so. It's because God loves other people more than he does me because I can't get things right. That's not true. Amen. Paul says, I need you to start acknowledging every good thing that is in you through Christ Jesus. When, when Brother DJ started preaching on identity and, 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 you know, and he stayed there for so long, I just kept telling him, don't move. There's no reason to move. I still don't think there's much reason to move because nobody wants to acknowledge the truth that we are his beloved. That he is good and I am his beloved. See, we don't want to acknowledge the things that God has tried to express. Why did they continue in the word of the apostles? Because they were trying to reform and re-educate and renew their minds to the truth of what God says about them and himself. I can see Peter just standing there telling them, I thought I was a failure, I thought I was this. And he come and he said, feed my sheep because he loved me. And he trusted me. And I actually had to acknowledge and surrender to his trust in me to care for his his children. When, when they're standing at the foot of the cross, and John feels like a failure because he ran off and left his clothes. And, and when Jesus was getting carried off, and he knew he was the one who laid his head on, on Jesus' chest. And he was the one whom Jesus loved. And he's standing at the cross looking at Jesus, thinking, I failed him. I loved him. He'll never love me again. I, I, I just stink. I'm worthless. And what does Jesus do? He looks at him. He says, John, here's my mama. Take care of her. And, he had to, and John had to acknowledge the fact, I'm still the one whom Jesus loves. Because he just told me to take care of his mama because he's leaving. He forced him to acknowledge the truth of how he saw him. And refused to allow him to stay in the place of giving himself a lesser degree of value and truth. I love you so much, John. I'm going to give you probably my most precious earthly person to take care of, my mama. Just so you realize, I still, I love you, John. I still believe in you. So we, we have to begin to allow the word of God, the truth of Father, the spirit of the Lord, have its way in our hearts. We have to acknowledge the good thing that he put in us. And if we'll start doing that, it would be amazing how life would begin to change. It would be amazing how effective, that word effective, I looked it up, I told Brother Kyle on the way in, uh, I was just neat, I just looked it up quickly. That that word effective is energize, the same word that is used for energy. It it means power. (laughs) Why does our, sharing of our faith the living of our lives before this world seems so powerless at times more times than not it's because we ourselves are the hindrance because we refuse to acknowledge the good thing see i I want what's been deposited in me to come out and in in a lot of areas in my life just like y'all in here I've been really good at. In certain areas of the truth of God, I have believed, take hold with faith, and I believe it, and I walk in that authority. I walk in victory in those areas of my life, and ain't no devil and no person gonna tell me that I'm not that because I have believed God. And a lot of y'all who know me, y'all, y'all, y'all speak to those things, you appreciate those things, that's why I'm standing here. I was reading in Paul, and, and I, I really appreciate... Paul's boldness because it's not pride, it's just his confidence in the truth of of what he's writing to to Philemon right here. And you go to to, to 2 Corinthians and you read in chapter 1, he's telling the church there at the end, I think it's 15 or 16, I'm not going to go there, but he's telling the church, he said, I wanted to come to you, and and he tells them why. I wanted to come and impart a second grace to you. I mean, it almost sounds like he's trying to put himself in the place of the Holy Ghost and God. But he so valued the good thing that was inside of him, and he refused to discount it because somebody might think it was pride. He didn't think that me, Paul, the man who was responsible for killing Christians before Jesus put my face in the dirt, he didn't think he had anything to offer, but he absolutely allowed the truth of God to be acknowledged by him. There's something in me that's life. There's something in me that will give you grace and power to overcome. He understood y'all need me to come. He also understood that he needed them. And it matters that we acknowledge these truths. You know, and just as much as I know that I have great victory in certain areas of my life, I absolutely know that there are so many areas that I have to begin to allow God to force me to acknowledge That the places where I'm failing is not because hell is greater. It's not because God isn't true. Where I'm failing in my personal life, or where I haven't been able to advance, it's not because it's some struggle that God wants me to live in. It's because I have refused to acknowledge the good thing that has to deal with that that was deposited in me when I was born again. And so I understand my own responsibility to acknowledge the good thing which he put in me, and not just make friends with it and decide to live with it and endure it because I don't want to live that way. I want to live a life and life more abundantly. I want to know victory and truth that was promised to me in the Word of God. And I realize that where I'm not, that's on me. And so that that forces me to, to, to... to be responsible on how I handle that moving forward. Am I going to sit down and find out what the Word of God has to say with me in that particular struggle that I haven't been victorious in? Am I going to sit down and be diligent to continue in the Word of God and know exactly what the Bible says and then base my mentality and how I handle it going forward off of that? Or I'm just going to say this is just part of it? Well, it's not. It's not part of it to live in, in, in lust and never have victory. It's not part of it to live in abstract poverty and not ever being able to meet your needs. It's not part of it to never have joy in your heart. It is not part of it to never have peace. That is a lie of hell. But we sometimes, we, we, we're either ignorant because we haven't let the word of God come to us or we just ignore it because we think we're an exception. To the good thing that was put in us when we were born again. You're not an exception. You are his favorite son and daughter. And when he gave himself to you, he gave all of himself to you. Man, we need to understand this is the truth that Father wants us to to receive. Not just so we're free, that so that when we share our life of Christ outside of this walls, these walls in this, this setting, it's effective, it's energy, it's power that cannot be denied. Do you know in Jerusalem, when you read down through the book of Acts, they, they had so much of this going on and so much manifestation of God through miracles and signs and wonders, but they also had the manifestation of all these different shades of people and languages being around a dinner table eating every night loving each other yes. of sharing you have need I have abundance you don't have need no more yes. right. see there was Cornelia happening that could not be denied and what the result was, was an, an effective sharing of their faith to the world around them and they were added to daily and even, it says in Acts, and even the people that didn't want to get born again, they respected what was going on because they knew it was real. Their hearts were hard, but they couldn't deny what was being manifested before them through a life lived out in Koinonia with other lives who shared a, rela- a, a, a relationship with Jesus, and now each other. The whole world didn't get born again, but the whole world around them took, took note. That's real. I'm not going into the service because I might drop dead if I lie. I'm not going to go into church because I might actually be required to help somebody in need. I'm not going to go to church because I might have to go sit at the table with somebody who don't look like me. And grandma told me I should never be in that kind of environment. I might have to go have a relationship with somebody who don't speak the same language and we won't even be able to talk to each other. But I, they might want me to just sit there and look at each other. But they knew it was real. The sharing of their faith was effective. Because they were acknowledging the gift that had been put inside of them. Come on, Jesus. Now when God sent me here, and we're two and a half plus years down the road. And I remember the day I talked with Brother Jim Ward. He's not here today. I don't know where he's at. He's doing something important. And uh and I told him, this is what God spoke to me the first time I stood in the on this platform. And I told it to him. I told him God was sending me here to help, and this is how he wanted me to help. I mean, I didn't even blink. I'd been waiting for two years to speak those words out of my mouth. No way it could ever come to pass that it would even be something that would be entertained or heard. Impossible. told nobody but my wife and y'all's daddy, Brother Warner. But when the phone call came that day, I had sat on the Word of God and I was convinced that it was going to happen. I had acknowledged that it was the truth of God for me and Rachel. And so I spoke it. And lo and behold, here I am. (laughs) Now listen. When we've had our first, and this might be, I might get in trouble by the elders later, but when we had our first big elders meeting with the leaders meeting and we're sitting in there, and we done kicked the, the ball down the hill, and it's rolling down, and we're trying to catch up with it and figure out how to make it look right for everybody and make everybody understand, uh, because we all said yes. The leaders said yes. The elders said yes. And there was agreement in the, in the eldership and the leadership of this family that God has placed. And I remember sitting at Brother Jim's house. In that meeting, and now we're going to the church like the next day or something, and they're trying to figure out the elders how to tell everybody what's going on and who I'm supposed to be to the family now. I literally sat there, I, I, it felt like an hour, listening to them talk about what they were supposed to call me when I stood up. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You know, because I don't care what you call me. And after listening for a while, And, you know, there's a reason for all that, and it wasn't wrong, but that doesn't matter to me. I finally said, hey, I don't care what you call me, just tell them what I'm here to do. Let me do my job that God sent me to do. Okay, and that's to help. That is to, to release the grace of God that was deposited in me for you. I don't know why God asked me to do that, but he did. But I'm convinced that there's stuff in me that y'all need. But I'm also fully convinced that there's things in you that I absolutely have to have. So this is not, not a greater looking down on the lesser. This is a relationship in God, which is always a two-way street. And, but I remember sitting there hearing that, you know, and they finally settled. You know, we're going to tell them it's apostle. Uh, great. Awesome. Scripturally, Yes that that is what I'm doing here and all that means is sent sent to help on a mission to help you that is all that means that means I got to give my life for y'all that means anything God's put in me is supposed to get to you that's all it means it's pretty simple the Bible's pretty simple if we just take time and let him tell us what it means and when I came I came with an understanding of exactly what God wanted me personally to do here. And I'm going to speak to this for a few minutes because I want everybody to understand. I want everybody to have clarity in their mind. I want them to, to just hear. I want y'all to hear. So I came and I understood what my job was. and And Paul says that You know, let every man take heed on how he's going to build. Let's just read that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 9. This is Paul, right? He says, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's fields, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, is verse uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, yeah, it's up there. Thank you, Miss Holly. I make it difficult for them because I don't usually know what I'm going to do when I get up. <laughs> for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field. You are God's building. Y'all say, I am God's field. Say it. I am God's, field. I am God's building. Am God's so am I. Yeah. According to the grace of God, which was given to me. See, Paul understood there was grace given to me. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation And another builds on it. But let each one take heed. On how he builds on it. For no other foundation. Can anyone lay. Than that which is laid. Which is Jesus Christ. Okay. So that's a true statement. If you're born again in here. There's one foundation that's been put in you. And that is the foundation of Jesus Christ. Now. He says no other foundation can be laid. But. Off of that foundation, we begin to build. And we're supposed to take heed how we do that building. Paul says, I'm a master builder. I'm good at my job. Why? Because I'm smarter than everybody? No, because God gave me a grace to do this. He understood. I was given a power by God for this assignment. And he says that I'm a master builder and I'm good at my job. He said, but don't misunderstand me. There isn't but one foundation, and his name is Jesus. I can't lay another foundation in you, neither can anybody else. But I am responsible on how I build off the foundation of Christ in your life. And he says, you need to you take heed, because it matters how you begin to build going up. I heard Brother, uh, Brother DJ say not too long ago, in reference to what we're doing here, and just the work of God and everything going on, He's just like, you know, we're trying to work backwards to a place where a lot of people who, when they start churches, they actually, they're starting the way they wanted to start. God sent me here because he did not want us to continue the way we were going. He didn't. That's why he sent me. And I began to speak to the things that God wanted us to do differently and what his purpose was for us. The vision that he had spoke to me about the family here, and what actually we begin to do. Not, not y'all understand when I say me and we. This is the leaders, the eldership of this house that God has installed. We are moving in unity, in agreement, and we have been since since the beginning. Do we all have the same opinion about every jot and tittle? No, we don't. But we have been in unity since the beginning, and in Jesus' name, we will continue. And what actually began to happen is we begin to deconstruct something that had been built on the foundation of Jesus. I was thinking about this this morning and a, and a story came to my mind about Jody Hogan. he's one of my best friends in the world. he's brother David's son, he's you know been my boss for all these years and spiritual father. When Brother David went to Mexico 40 something years ago and he went into this particular place that God had given him the vision about and you know, no missionary, no, no American ever lived there. I mean, it's way back in the mountains. There's no road, all that kind of stuff. He had to drive down the riverbed to get there, crazy stuff. And he actually gets into this small Indian town, and some rich people who now lived in the city had built a house for when they came home on vacations. They had, it was just getting finished when he drove in. He, he worked it out to rent that house. Beautiful, brand-new-looking house. He raised his family in that house. He's housed brothers in there. I mean, it, visitors from all over the world. Amazing things have happened in that house. He rented it for a really long time. His son Jody grows up. We're the same age, just a few months apart. Um, Brother David, you know, moved to a ranch that, that, that he built for the ministry few hours away Jody stayed in that area that became Jody's house Jody rented it for a while and then they they went to the owners of the house they asked to buy it they sold it so he owns the house now Jody's son's been raised on the mission field like my kids and he wanted to work with us now he's fixing to get married and so Jody being a good dad he's thinking about man in a second I'm gonna have grandkids running everywhere and this house has been great for us all these years but we need to go up because we can't go sideways. we got neighbors on both sides. we got a cliff off the back and a street five feet out the front door. So there's only one option to make more room and to be better prepared to receive the blessing that God's going to give. we got to go up. So you know what he did? He called a master builder, one of our brothers, known throughout the whole area as a master builder. He called him. He said, hey, come check out my house. This is what I want to do. These are my plans. This is how I want to look on the second story. Come tell me how much it's going to cost and how long, all that stuff. And so the master builder comes out and he looks at the house. (laughs) Then the bad news came. The master builder, who Jody's known his whole life, he's 40 years old. He got there six or seven years old in Mexico. He's known this guy his whole life. So he knows what he tells him is going to be the truth of all truths because this guy loves him and just it's what it's going to be. And he walks in and he tells him, you can't even sleep in this house no more. I'm not this house looks awesome. I mean, it, it, it's a nice home for where we live. None of y'all would be impressed with it, but where we live, it's great. And he looks at Joseph, just, just looking at him, what do you mean I can't? I've lived in this house for 30-something years. What do you mean I can't sleep in my bed tonight? He's like, it's a miracle this roof haven't caved in on you and your family and y'all ain't all dead. And he told him, I forbid you to live in this house anymore. And he began to take Jody around the house and show him the defects and the cheap way it was done. And that he said, if you put any more weight on this roof, it is going to collapse on you and kill you. And he showed him how it was not properly built. He showed him where they took corners to get it done quicker and cheaper. He showed him how, if you can't do this. And Jody is a very intelligent guy. He realized, I don't know how I didn't ever notice this stuff, but you're right. And Jody says, but I own this now. What, what am I going I don't have nowhere else to go. What, what am I gonna do? He says, we gotta tear this down. To the foundation. Because the foundation's great. He said, we have to tear it down to the foundation and start (laughs) over. I love you, Jesus. Now, you need to hear, that house was a great place for them for a long time. Oh, man, lots of good happened inside of that house. People born again, people touched, people set free, people encouraged, housed and protected. I mean, it wasn't like it was a train wreck. It wasn't like it was horrible. It wasn't like they, they lived in dread and fear. It was right all the way up until the point where the daddy of the house realized there's blessing coming and I want, I want it. And I want to be able to receive it. I want to be able to have it come and stay. So i got to do something about it. And when that desire came on the father of the house, he began to look into it, and what he realized, it was going to be a lot more costly than he thought. In case any of y'all built a house, adding a few rooms on top of the roof is not the same as starting from the foundation and starting all the way over. And he was not prepared for that cost. It was none of his calculations, but it didn't change the fact you have to do it. You don't just have to do it to get what you want to be prepared to, to be prepared to receive what you think is coming. You have to do it because it's just not even safe for you to be in. Even though it's been good, it could collapse at any time on top of you. Because it's not sound, it's not structurally correct, and it cannot protect you. Even though it hadn't happened yet. At any moment it could. And so when I say these things, it's not to just be overtly critical, or to say nothing good. It's not. I don't believe that at all. If that was true, none of us would be in here. But we want to go up. We believe God wants to give us something, and that means we have to prepare. Do you know when Jesus starts talking about Matthew chapter 9, he, he gives them the, 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 the story or the, the parable of the wineskin. He said, you can't put new wine in an old wineskin. It'll bust it, and it all runs out on the ground. You know what's amazing is that he did not say, you can't keep putting old wine in an old wineskin, because you can. You can use that old wineskin with old wine as much as you want. And it's still wine, still tastes good. If you want to get drunk, it'll get you drunk. You just can't put the new in there. And see, we're at a place where where we're having to decide do we want the new and stay satisfied with that or do we want the old? I want the new. Nothing in me wants old. Old was great. It blessed me. It got me to be standing right here in front of you today. It has produced life in me. But you know what? I have come to understand that there is more so I'm asking God for more. And God said, you can have it. It's just going to cost more than you probably thought. We're going to have to deconstruct some things that you've built along the way, Bo, because they're not structurally sound. So come over here and sit down and let me speak my word to you and show you where you went up with something that's not a valuable material that can endure any type of testing. So this is individually and it's corporately that this has to happen in our lives. But if you're satisfied and you don't want to go up, you don't have to. If you're content loving Jesus and making it to to Him and and not walking in the fullness of everything that He's purposed to give you, if you don't want to acknowledge the good thing and and the the fullness of that good thing, you don't have to. It don't make you not know Jesus. It doesn't make you not born again. It just means you're just not living in what He intended for you to live in. And that's totally up to us. It's not up to the devil. It ain't up to your husband or your wife or your children or your neighbors. It's not up to the world. It's up to you. I want everything God has for me. I I made this statement the other day. I don't like how I feel right now. Because something was making me not feel normal. And when I say normal, what God has told me is normal. I didn't feel peace in my heart. I didn't feel peace around me. I didn't feel peace at all, and I am not used to that because I absolutely believe I'm supposed to live in peace, and I operate in peace in my heart. I lay down and go to bed at night, and it's rare that I don't go to sleep as soon as my head turns over. And I've walked through all kinds of persecutions and turmoils and lack and abundance, and peace has been a constant thing in my life because when I was born again, He gave me peace, and and, he, and Isaiah says that He gives peace. Perfect peace to those whose hearts are stayed on him, whose minds are stayed on him. If that was true in Isaiah's day, how much more should that be for us if we actually have the Prince of Peace living in our being, in our heart? We have his spirit in us. I mean, he says, I I have not given you a spirit of fear. What did he give us? Say it out loud, Brother James. Spirit of power but how did you get a spirit back he gave it he gave it to you you didn't work for it you didn't earn it you didn't smart enough for it he put it in you now the only responsibility that you have is to acknowledge it i remember the day i walked into a village that that we had opened up we had to hike in there an hour nobody ever born again people get born again and the parents get mad so they go off to pay the witch doctor to kill me because they know i'm coming to visit today and I walk in there, we can't even sit in the yard and visit. And I've probably said this here before. And the guy's real timid because he knows his mom and dad left before the sun, with money and chickens to go pay the witch doctors to curse me so I'd die. And so he doesn't know enough about Jesus and the good gift that had been put in him. He felt, he felt fear about that for me. And when I saw something was bothering him, I kept asking him, what's wrong with you? Why are you acting like this? And he finally sheepishly told me what his mom and dad had gone. I just busted out laughing. I mean, I, I like a hyena, on purpose, making an absolute scene. Not because that was a natural response for me, but because I wanted him to acknowledge the good gift that was in him. So I had to acknowledge it for him first. I had to let him understand. There is no devil, there's no witch doctor, there's no demon in hell that you should ever be afraid of. Amen. Ever. If you live in fear to darkness, you are not acknowledging the good gift that was put in you. I don't care if every witch in the United States of America makes a coven a in your backyard and prays against you every night. You should never fear that. You shouldn't laugh at that. Because I have been given a spirit of power. Darkness does not have authority over my life. I was given peace. All right. Let's go to Genesis chapter 11. I want to finish here. When when I came, I began to speak the things that God had spoke to me in the secret place, in the private place, about what I believed was right for us as a family, what has been right for me. And I began to deconstruct and try to build up. Brother D.J. has been doing the same thing. As revelation comes to us, as understanding of what the will of God is for us, we are trying to do that. And if we find something that is hay or stubble or wood, we're doing our best to rip it down because we want you to be safe. We want you to have refuge. We want you to experience life and life more abundantly. But that hasn't sat well with everybody. The first time I preached in here, it was full, three services in a row. It's not full no more for three services. There's lots of factors because of, for that. And, and that's, that's none of my concern. I absolutely don't care. I'm not trying to see a megachurch. I'm trying to see a family that actually lives and breathes and walks in Koinonia with hearts mutually linked that actually have an effective witness of the gospel because they're acknowledging the good thing that God put in them. If we strip it down to five people, I don't care. I'll be sad that I don't see faces that I know anymore, but I will not be deterred. I am going up. I will see the fulfillment of the Word of God in my life and in my generation. I refuse to settle for less. I will acknowledge the good thing that was put in me through Christ Jesus. And I'm going to give it to anybody who wants it. You know, it's out of context, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, John, in 1 John, he he says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. Now, I know that's talking about the Antichrist. I understand that. But there's a truth to that. I in no way think that everybody that comes here should stay. I in no way think that everybody that comes to church here and has been part of this church is going to stay here forever. If that was true, I would have never left Mexico. So don't hear what I'm not saying. Hear what I am saying. We're supposed to be family. We're supposed to raise people up into the fullness of the ministry, to be mature and to be able to manifest Christ and for them to go out into the world and get their mission from God. And if it's here, it's here. If it's somewhere else, it's somewhere else. I will happily be a part of that blessing. And I believe that's what's supposed to happen. But a lot of people have left not because they got a different mission from God. It's because they just didn't want to be part of the, of the building that was happening. Now, right here in the Tower of Bible, I'm going to read this story. Verse 1, chapter 11. It's in the New King James. Y'all give me just a few more minutes and I'll be done. Y'all need to hear this. You need to hear. In verse 1 it says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, they had asphalt for mortar, and they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. You got an interesting, amazing situation happening right there, y'all. These people are moving together. They're moving. Why are they moving together? Because they all spoke the same language. What was the result of them moving together and speaking the same language moving together? They looked at each other and said, we don't have to keep moving. We actually can put roots down and actually build something that our children and our grandchildren can live in. They had a revelation that we all speak the same language. We can make a community together. We don't have to be vagabonds, and because they actually understood each other and had the same language, it produced a desire for community, and they started working on that. See, this is this is a, a principle, a truth that has always been. And see, their 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 goal was right in some ways. To speak the same language, to move together, to build together, to live together, to do family together, that was right. Their motivation and their motive for it was wrong. Because let's go up to heaven, we'll do it without God. We'll do it our way. We'll leave God out of it and we'll still get to where we want to be. So their motive was wrong. But the the manipulation of that truth that truth was right because look what happens right here in verse uh, let me get back to it it says right here that but the lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, people are one, and they ha- all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Oh, man, come on. Do you understand what happens when we all have one language? Do you understand what happens when we all speak the same language? There's nothing we can't do. If we are all speaking the same language, if we all have the same mind and we walk in unity together, do you understand there is nothing we cannot accomplish for Jesus? There's nothing that he has spoken to us that we can't realize in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, or here in in this family, in this house. Do you understand that is the one thing that hell wars on continuously? Because hell knows. If they stay in unity, there's nothing we can do to stop them. And so it is a constant assault on what? On the unity of the family. What is the biggest reason for for the problems that we face in our country today? is because there's no fathers in most of the families anymore. And families are divided. Why? Because hell understands if there's unity, there's life and victory. When there's no unity, it's a constant cycle of destruction and misery. And we need to understand that God wants us in unity. When I came here and I started speaking and talking with everybody, I on purpose started using certain language to redefine the way we understood. I constantly say family, family. I on purpose try not to say church. Because I want you to understand that we are not some people that gather on a Sunday morning for service and everybody goes to their own own house and that's the end of it. We're supposed to be something beyond that. We're supposed to be koinonia. We're not supposed to have small groups to artificially teach us what was supposed to be an innate response when we were born again. But do you know what happens? We, we get born again and we, we go into these different cultures that are already established. You go to this church, that church, whatever it is, and this is not a knock on any of those. But cultures are already established when you walk in there. And you have to conform to a certain degree to the culture that's in the place. And you know most of the time that's birthed out of a good a good desire. Uh, an example is is that but sometimes, Sometimes in our desire to conform to what we think is right because of who we're following or the family God's placed us in, we conform to things that really were not built out of gold. The culture was built on things out of hay and stubble and out of ignorance sometimes we conform to that. Let me give you an example, Mexico. Mexico. One of my spiritual sons who's over a lot of churches now, we raised him up from start to go. And his wife told us this story one day about how she never owned a skirt until she started going to church. And that became a big conflict in our work several years. It's not very much one now, but it's still a little bit. When, when Brother David went to Mexico 40-something years ago, there wasn't a woman anywhere. In all of the Indian villages, in any direction, for as many miles as you want to say, that wore pants. Had nothing to do with God. Their culture was women don't wear pants, the Indian culture. Now, look, it wasn't about holiness. They were worshiping idols. They were fornicating with their neighbors. They were killing people. They were doing everything except worship God. So it's not about holiness. Their culture was women don't wear pants. And so Miss Debbie, Brother David's wife, and later Rachel and all the other women that went to work there, we conform to the culture that we were trying to integrate ourselves into to preach the gospel. And so Rachel willingly submitted to that because it was the culture of the people, not because it was holiness and it made her closer to God, because it doesn't. But over time, the culture shifted. TV came in, Internet came in, and from one day to the next, it, it was a completely different world. The youth, of course, all started responding to what they saw on the Internet and the TV, and it, overnight it just changed. And we were all pretty happy about that. We were waiting for them to catch up. And and what happened is there became internal strife in our work because a lot of the older people who were used to that, when the younger people started changing, they began to tell them, you can't wear that, that's not holy. And see, our silence for all those years gave those older people permission to use us as leverage against the newer people because our wives wore skirts. We didn't do it because of that. But we saw them to begin to manipulate something we did out of, the, out of their honor for their culture, to be like them, to win them. We saw them to begin to use that to push and put people into bondage. And we started seeing young women and young, young ladies born again that they felt bad because they didn't have a dress. And when the brothers would visit them when we weren't there, some of them would tell them, you've got to wear a dress. And they would say, Brother Bo and Rachel never told us that. Well, they just are trying to be patient on you, so we're going to help. And there's things like that would happen. And so when that started happening, and I told Rachel, you put pants on. If they think our silence has been in agreement with something they're trying to use to do that, we're going to change it right now. And we started with, and, it, and, and other people did that in our work because we realized what was happening. And it, it was a fuss with the old people because they didn't want their culture changed. But I, I'm not building a culture that does not represent the heart of God. I don't understand everything perfectly, but what I do understand, I'm going to put it into action. And what matters is is that that we need to understand that the language that we use, and I'm not talking about just the language out of your mouth, I'm talking about your decidedness to walk with Christ. It's going to resonate. It's going to resonate with people. What I and Brother DJ and the elders and, and... all of us that lead the family here have decided is the right way to go, it's resonating with some people. And it's not resonating with others. And they leave. And I can't do anything about that. My job is to speak what I hear in the secret place, my job is to build according to the word of God. So it'll be structurally sound for any generation that wants to come. And when I'm not standing here, when Brother DJ's not standing here, if we have not built something that our children can put the next level on, we have failed. I don't want my kids to have to deconstruct something I built wrong. And for them to realize, thank God he had mercy because this thing could have collapsed at any moment. I mean, I'm not doing that. That's not God's way. God's way is to build right. And to trust His way is right. And see, what's happened is, when we begin to speak the same language, we can do family together. It resonates. Community begins to happen. And when we have community, then we get to decide what the culture is going to be. Because see, when you grafted in, like that sister in Mexico, she started going to the church and... and, and Everybody in the church had a skirt on. I had never said nothing to her about a skirt. The people that got her born again had never said nothing to her about a skirt. But all of a sudden, her desire to want to be as much like God as she could be, she looked around the people who had more time and experience in the the church And she said, they must be right because they've been doing this longer than me. And out of a desire to be right, they just conformed. And it wasn't because she was obligated, because she said she wasn't. She just wanted to be right, and she thought that was right, so she conformed to the culture that was in the place when she got there. Okay? She just conformed. And see, that's why it matters that what we do here is built off the Word of God. It's built off of truth. It's built, built off acknowledging the good thing that's in us. So that when people do come in, they come into a culture that is established in real godliness, in the presence of God, in holiness, in truth, in life, in joy. And they actually can come in and conform to what God put in us instead of having to suppress it to be a part. Do you realize how many times people walk into a church somewhere and they desire, the desire in them for Koinonia, they they become part of that family and they actually have to suppress the innate godly desires that's in them because nobody else around them is walking in it? And they actually have to say, well, I guess that's not right because nobody else is doing it. No, they're just wrong. And what you feel is right. See, the importance about us having to deconstruct here like we've done over the last few years and are still doing As we build, it's going up. As we're tearing down, I mean, as we do that, you know what happens? We get the opportunity to decide what the culture of this house is gonna be. I don't have to make it like the church down the street. I don't have to make it like it was 15 years ago in this house. We, today, are deciding what the culture of this family is gonna be. It was really neat when I was at that recruiting visit yesterday that uh, one of the guys got up, one of the coaches, and he was saying, You know, he had played there for this coach years before. Guy's been there almost 20 years. He had played 10 years before. Now he's back on the coaching staff. He said, it's so awesome because I knew the culture of this place when I came back. I knew the practice schedule for every day, what we were doing at every period, because it has not changed in 18 years. Do you understand how easy it is to step in and to operate? And, and, And because of the experience, the expectation of of winning and and 100% and all that stuff, it has been constant for 18 years. It's just come in, plug, and play to something that is good and right. See, we're responsible to build a culture of Jesus here. That when people come in here, they actually don't have to suppress the innate desires of God. Coming in here and going home and having no relationship with the family, that's not right. I don't mean every day we're going to go out and eat. Unless you're paying. That's right, (laughs) Kim. Then I'll rearrange my schedule. (laughs) Bless him, Jesus. (laughs) That's funny. It matters that we have the same language. I'm sorry that some people left. It's because they don't have the same language. Some people are are leaving and have left because they got a mission from God. And that's okay. You know, they they got different things. But some people have left because they just don't speak the same language no more. And they're not interested in getting a new one. And that doesn't have anything to do with me judging their salvation. Not judging on whether they love God or not. They have just decided, I don't recognize that language. I don't know that language. I don't want to speak that language. When Jesus, or when when Jesus, God, Holy Ghost, they all came down right there, and they recognized that these people were, were doing something that was illegal for them to do, trying to get to heaven, bypassing Jesus' Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He confused their language. Why did he confuse their language? Because then they would not be able to communicate with each other. And when they could not communicate with each other, do you know what the result was? Everybody went their own direction. And do you know what happened to that great and mighty work that was so impressive that God had to come down and see? Remember, God had to come see it for himself. It was amazing what they had done. But when he confused their languages, they left, and it stayed right there. I don't know where it went to, but they left it half built or three-fourths built or nine-tenths built. But it was impressive, whatever it was, and it stayed abandoned, and the work stopped. See, when we don't speak the same language, we cannot walk together. When we cannot speak the same language, we cannot build together. There's too much confusion and misunderstanding. And people just pick up their ball and go home. I'm going to stop right here. And I want you all to hear what Paul said to it. It's in Corinthians. This is my last verse. Chapter 1, verse 10. This is several thousand years later, and here's Paul talking about it. Because it stayed the same. And it's still the same today. It says right here in verse 10, chapter 1, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you, what? That you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. See, Paul, he understood the story of Babel. He understood the constant strategy of hell to bring division and and, and to take away the common language so that we can walk together. And so he always wore it on that. And Paul understood that. And he speaks to it right here. I plead with you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus, that you all speak the same thing. And be no, there be no divisions among you. That you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. When he says same judgment right there, I I believe what he's saying is that we all have decided that the value, the the purpose that we are here together in, we judge it to be the same. We judge Jesus Christ to be the center of what we're doing. His word will be the foundation. He will be the foundation that we're going to build on and go up on. I want everybody to have the same judgment in this family. And some people are not going to hear this language and they're not it's not going to resonate with them and they're not interested in family. They want to come in and go out. They're not going to want intimacy. They're not going to be in agreement with what we have decided as leadership is our path to walk. And that's okay. That's okay. But when you find the people that are speaking your language, if it's here, here. If it's somewhere else, there. But when you find the people that are speaking the language that God is speaking to you, you need to make community with them. You need to establish life with them. And you need to be mutually linked in hearts with them. And that's where you're supposed to be. Find the people that are speaking the language that God is speaking to you. Hey, if this isn't your language, man, Jesus bless you. I love you. But go find home. That's what my, Mark, my friend Mark Casto says over in Georgia because he believes like I believe in most of this stuff and he's constantly talking about family. He's saying find home, find my mom, find a dad, but find home and go there because we're not supposed to be out wondering. We're supposed to be a functioning part of family. Okay, you ain't go to this church that week, next one that week, so just float, float, float. You can come up, Rachel. You understand? That's wrong. Wrong mentality. Wrong understanding. You've believed a lie. That is not right. I think my our friend Rick Little John is watching, and I said this to him the other day. You know, he lives in Carolina, but when he came here the first time, it was like I found my family. Well, he lives in Charlotte. But he found his family. Him and Miss Karen, they, they, they feel like they're part of this family here. And not just in this house, but part of us corporately that are moving together. And it's not about sitting in that seat every week. It's about being a functioning member of the family. And even though he's not here, Miss Karen, they're not here, they, they are when they can. But they function. They're in relationship with us. They're in constant community. He sent me a message this morning <coughs> saying, I'm on my, my balcony. Man, it's an awesome time with God. I said, man, watch church today. He says, I plan to. And when he's here, he's here. But he feels like he found this family after looking for a lot of years and refusing to settle for less. I refuse to settle for less. I want to walk with the family of God that has the language that God has given me. And it's amazing because I can say things and people will hear it and they'll say that's the same thing and we're instantly best friends. And we begin walking together. And it matters that we find that. And if this ain't this for you, that's okay. But if it is, refuse to let hell root you out of your place. If this is the family that God called you to be a part of, absolutely refuse to bow to hell and leave because it's easier to go somewhere else where they're not in your life and in your business. Because family's in each other's business. And it's easy to know when you found your place. Because there's something in you called the Holy Ghost that bears witness. Do you realize that when Mary went to go see Elizabeth, because she heard she was with child, that when Mary walked into the house with Elizabeth and spoke, what happened to Mary, or to Elizabeth? The, the miracle of God that was in her, that Mary also carried the miracle of God, it caused a reaction. Her voice, her language caused Elizabeth. To bear witness, me and you, we have the same thing on the inside of us. See, you got to find that. Do you know why me and Brother DJ get along so well, me and Kevin? And I can go down the list of lots of people in here, Sarah and Brandon for years. You know why we get along? It's not because we always agree and we don't have bumps. It's because what I say causes something on the inside of them to come alive. And when they speak to me, it causes something on the inside of me to move. We don't look alike, we don't talk alike, we're not from the same places, we don't believe everything the same on every verse of Bible, but I recognize what's in y'all is in me. That we're supposed to be family, and that means we gotta work life out and do it right. We can't allow hell to take the unity away from us because if we walk together, nothing is impossible for us. But if we decide that we're not gonna have the same language... Man, we'll just leave something half built or something somebody else has got to tear down and start over with. I just, I don't want that. Man, God wants to do something with us. Our family is growing all over and it's not our family, it's our family because we have all joined together. And we're seeing the kingdom of God grow. We're seeing things happen. We're seeing people come alive realizing, I have found my family. Do you know how many times that we've heard in the last few months, I thought we were going to have to do this by ourselves because nobody is speaking what we're speaking. Nobody responds to what we're saying. But I hear coming out of your mouth the same thing that's been coming out of mine. And they embrace us. Brother DJ experienced that in Illinois. It's like, we're family. I found you finally. It's amazing when you find your people that God intended for you to walk with. Courage comes on your heart to say, I don't have to be a vagabond. I actually can stop right here and build something that reaches God. Not so we can be known like they wanted, but so that Jesus will be known. Come on. What are we doing, Brother DJ? Brother Kevin? All right. I knew that, I didn't know. Y'all seen that video with the kid that runs and jumps into baptism? Man. No
6: cannonballs, no cannonballs. Do it,
5: Weston. I'll back you. Brian. Thank
6: you,
5: brother. Love y'all.
6: All right, come on. All right. Y'all go ahead and stand to your feet. Hello. Okay, there we go. What an awesome word. Thank you, Brother Bo. God is just so good. And I love the fact that we truly are a family. We truly are a family. Uh, If I can have the worship team go ahead and come up. We are a family, and I love you guys, and I'm so proud to be a, you know, linked, like Brother Bo was saying, of this family. So proud of you guys. I love you guys, and I'm just so grateful. You can, you can play can reach I feel so lonely. There we go. Yes. Sorry. All right. <laughs> oh, man. So um, right now, uh, we're going to go ahead and end with baptisms. And so really quickly, if you didn't sign up, but something is just stirring in your heart, and something is just burning in your heart, and you feel like, you know what? I want to get baptized. Uh, now is a time to go ahead and see Pastor Crystal and just get some clothes, and say, you know what? Doesn't matter. I'm gonna jump in today. I'm gonna do it today. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna let anything stop me. So right now, if you want to be baptized uh, after I, I get done with with offering, go see Pastor Crystal, get some clothes. Uh, but this is a time in our service where. We, we give, where we worship with our giving. We worship with our giving. And so, uh, you know, I didn't have a verse to give you guys today because I wanted to share a testimony. Uh, and Brian's been uh, awesome. You know, Brian has such an amazing heart to give. Right? Amen. You should be proud of that, Brandon. You should. Um, our kids and our teens have such an amazing heart to give. And I want you to know, as, as a family here, I want you to know that your kids and your teens, you know, this summer, they raised up, all right, you guys ready for this? They raised up over $1,000. Y'all put your hands together for that. They raised up over $1,000 not for a basketball court, not for new games, not to buy a PlayStation 5 so that they can play at the beginning of service. They raised up over $1,000 to give these kids in Kenya, Africa, a playground. Put your hands together. Family. You know, we've never met them personally. We've, we've met them on videos. We've seen pictures. But they're Family. And our family here, we we decided and we we got in one accord. And these teens, they started scraping together money and (laughs) asking their moms and dads and uncles and aunts. You know, and they were able to, just last Wednesday, okay, just a few days ago, they raised over $200 on one day. One day. And they blow me away. And I want you to know that when you give, When you give, when you show up, when you serve, when you bless, you're producing something that's going to outlast you. It's going to outlast you. I pray to God, like like Brother Bo was saying, that this work that we're doing would outlast me. And I'm grateful and I'm thankful because it's right here. It's right here. It's going to outlast me. Because we see the fruit. We see the fruit that our labor is producing. So guys, I'm here to tell you I'm proud of you. And as we get ready to worship God with our giving, give it knowing that it's going to outlast you. This is good ground. I love you guys, and I'm excited. Let's go ahead and pray. Oh, Father, we thank you so much. Thank you, Father God, for our children. Thank you for our teens. Thank you for our family, God. Because they're just, they love to give, God. And I know you see it, Father. And so, God, I ask you in the name of Jesus. Brian, go ahead and uh, stretch your hands out to pray for them. God, we ask you in the name of Jesus to bless and touch every heart, God. Father, we're asking for blessings, but God, we're asking for emotional blessings, God. Spiritual blessings, God, right now in the name of Jesus, Father. We ask that you would touch their lives, God. God, that you would touch their children, Father God. That you would bring healing, God, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We ask for open heavens for them, God. We ask for, for promotions, God. And we just ask for favor in every aspect of their lives, God, in the name of Jesus. And most of all, God, we ask in the name of Jesus that they would find out who they are in the name of that, they would know in the bottom of their hearts that you have called them and that they are yours. They are beloved, God. That's who they are, Father. Open their eyes. God, we thank you, and we love you so much, Father. Thank you for this family. We are yours, God. Thank you for this family. I bless all of them, God, in the name of Jesus. And I ask, God, that you would just bless them and strengthen them, God, and that you would just give them a desire, God. Fill up their belly, God. Give them a desire to know you more to know you more, to dig deeper, God, and to become family, God. Help us to love one another as you have loved us, Jesus. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen.
4: All right, all right, all right. How's everybody doing? You guys excited? Come on. I love baptism Sunday. So uh, it's absolutely amazing that we get the uh, we get the chance to do this. That that uh, that we're blessed to be able to do this. That that this this is what we're called to do. So I absolutely love this. And I don't know what Kevin was talking about because I was out changing. So I'm not going to repeat all the stuff he said. All I know is today's going to be a special day, and uh, um, we have. We have a couple people that have already signed up that we know are getting baptized today. And then if the, if this, if, if the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart, it is not too late. Crystal's over here. She has all the clothes, everything we need um, to move forward in this. So if there's anybody else, if he's just been moving in your heart and you said, you know what? I, I want to do this today. I, I want to I recommit today. I want to just, guess what? I want to come up out of this water fresh and new today. I want to redeclare to everybody else today. You know, because we, we remember that this is not salvation. This is a public declaration of what God's doing in your heart. This, this, is, this is an opportunity to tell the rest of the family that this is who I am. And you can count on me. Uh, because I'm not going anywhere. So that's what, that's what this is all about. So I'm excited today uh, because I'll, I'll just invite our first one in. Aiden, come on, Aiden, Aiden out loud. come on, give it up for Aiden. There you go, take your time, don't splash me out. <laughs> come on, man, Woo, man, I don't even know how long I've known you, but I feel like I've known you forever. Um, whew, I love this guy. You know, he came to our church, and
6: whew, whew,
4: he brought a life. There's, there's a life inside of him that's so powerful. You know, and he showed up in the student ministry, and man, just absolutely amazing what God's doing in and through you. Um, he's been in here on Sundays, wrapping up here on stage. <laughs> he's brought a whole, He's brought a whole new dimension to who we are. Um, a whole new part of the family. And man, you know, times it, it, aren't easy all the time. And he's been through some stuff. But man, the Holy Ghost is just moving in your life, man. He's moving in your life. And he's going to continue to do mighty things through you, through your testimony, through what God's doing in your life. So man, I, I'm just so thankful we get to do this. And I know Kevin's over there and I know he's your student pastor and you, you absolutely love him and he loves you. But man, I'm honored to be in the tank with you today. I'm honored to do this. You want to say some stuff? Dry your hand off so you don't get electrocuted. Because <laughs> if you get electrocuted, I'm with you, okay? I'm family and all, but I ain't going down with nothing.
0: I think you'll go down. When I first came here, I was nervous. I was I was scared. You know, we were, we were over there. We were going to another church, and, you know, I was trying to find, you know, what place... You know, God had found home for me, and bouncing back and forth. And I, and I asked God uh, that first Wednesday night after Pastor Kevin convinced me to come. I, I was, I did not want to stay home that Wednesday, so I said, "You know what, God, I'll go," because I know you're calling me to do this. So I did it, and after that, I have no regrets. After that, because you know, my dad. Passed away um, two weeks ago, I think it was, and um, it was sad because you never know how precious life is sometimes, but it's alright because that's a testimony that I use now because the Lord's still good.
4: Let me just do that. <laughs> Come on. Man, I'm honored once again. So, Aiden, the big question is: have you accepted Jesus, as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Yes, you have. All right. Go ahead and plug your nose for me with one hand. And wrap on there just like that. Then, Aiden, by your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Where's Miss Felicia Lee? Come on, Miss Felicia. Come on, give it up for Felicia. <laughs> Oh, this is so awesome. Uh, it's so awesome because oh man, I, I got surprised this morning when she came in and says, Hey, I'm gonna get baptized because uh Uh, She did this when you were, what, about eight years old? Right, eight years old. She's been, uh, this has been her family here for about four years, give or take take a couple weeks. I know I'm trying to track in my head. About four years she called. She's been here with this family, and we love you, and, and so thankful for you, and I'm so excited for this step. And just what God's going to just open up now. Like, like he's he's ready. You're seated. You know that. You, you know where you belong in the family. And it's just going to open up all kinds of things, which is great. So we love you for that. We thank you for that. You want to say anything? No. She's like, no. Nah. No, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Well, awesome. I'm going to ask you a simple question. Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes, sir. Yes, she has. So come on. Got it? <laughs> we, we, we got one of the shortest guys in the... In, in, in the <laughs> To stretch out his arm. Okay. Miss Felicia, then by your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. this will be uh we're gonna offer it up if there's anybody we're still can we can still wait we can still get you in here uh don't miss out on this opportunity if he's tugging on your heart you need to respond you need to say you know what it's time because you only have family in the room and we all love you and and so that's you just come on over I'm going to sit in here for just a second while they continue to play some some music and then we'll exit out. But if that's you, just come on over and let us know and we'll give you a chance to change. We have shirts and shorts and all that stuff. So come on. You can hop in there, buddy. I got you. I got you. <laughs> All right, I got it here. Pops. <laughs> Step down. Come on. Come on, man. Woo. Yeah, go ahead, Kev, before you cry.
6: Hey, uh, so I know he's really young, but um, I remember when I was five years old, I wanted to get baptized. And uh, I, re- oh, Lord, try not to cry. But I remember my dad told me I couldn't get baptized. Um, and it really, you know, it hurt me because I, I loved God. At five, I loved God. And I know Pops loves God. And so he's like, hey, I really want to get baptized. We're like, no, you know, you're, you're too little. Get out of here. You know, you're always. Uh, but he kept bugging me. He's like, no, I want to get baptized. So I was like, okay, you know, who am I to stop, stop him from getting baptized? So that's
4: All right. Crystal, you sure you don't, you know, got anything, Crystal? Mama?
3: So if you have never heard me share about Pops, pretty much God gave me a dream about Pops. And he told me that his name was going to be Azariah and is, you know different people in the bible but he's a prophet and when i see pops i just see all the gifts that god's already placed inside of him even when he was in my womb and whenever i see god you know showing me things through him that's for each and every one of you like uh, brother Bo was saying that all of you have gifts so when i see pops that little and his gifts come out that it's there's just no stopping the gifts that god's placed in each and one of us from your mother's womb
4: so that's all I have to say about Azariah. Woo! All right. You know, it's funny because they came to me about, I don't know, six months ago, and it was like, hey, don't call them Pops anymore. Call him Azariah. I just can't help it, man, because we just always called you Pops. <laughs> so, so Ezariah, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. yes. Awesome. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Whew. man just to watch a young man grow up and see the gifts on his life you know he comes out for prayer He come, he's here all the time when you talk about a church mouse he's a church mouse probably not because he just wants to be here because he was told to be here and but, but what I've seen is watch him grow I watch him pray I watch him I watch him read his Bible I watch him just man he's all over the church so it just <laughs> and 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 I just love what God's doing in his life and to watch a young child grow up like that and consistently get get closer and closer and closer and then start walking in what God's calling him to walk in and and he has wonderful parents who are walking so close to God, man. So close to us. So So the fact that Kevin wants me to do this and he wouldn't want to get in here it means a ton, brother. So I love you guys. All right, Pops, you got that. Pops, stand up before you dunk yourself. get the spirit of spanking in here (laughs) so pops you ready plug your nose for me by your profession of faith i baptize you in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost